0: W B N E. Hello from Elsewhere. I'm Casey.
1: And I'm Valerie. And welcome to the podcast where we explore the themes and symbolism in pop culture.
0: This episode comes to you straight from the faraway land of Spare Oom um, in the city of Wardrobe.
1: <laughs> because today we're discussing portals and gateways to magical worlds.
0: Valerie, the haunted balloons are back.
1: <laughs> you killed them.
0: <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> I vanquished I vanquished 3 more haunted balloons but they were in our house and they floated for far too long.
1: They were multiplying.
0: And I have to wake up really early every morning and it, I leave all the lights off cuz I don't want to wake humans up. And Very kind. On my way through the hallway, I would just feel like a long string on my face. <laughs> I thought it was like a spider web or something, but no, it's just a balloon string from a balloon hiding in the dark waiting for me. Our long-time listeners will know that our house is haunted
1: by children who leave balloons behind. Yeah. But also the balloons. They're scary. <laughs> is that your new number one fear? Balloons. Haunted balloons, yeah. Just Balloons, all balloons. Yeah. I'm gonna get you a big old bunch of balloons for your birthday, Father's Day, Christmas. It's the only present I'm going to get you from here until the end of time. Balloons.
0: I hate everything about what you choose to be. <laughs> is that the quote?
1: Yes. But I can't remember who says it. Michael. Michael says to, it to... to Toby. Toby, that's right. So Casey, we have our all important question today. This question comes from Casey, who is a wizard of elsewhere in our Patreon or in our Discord chat. hmm And
0: Yep. The, if you if you spend
1: five dollars a month,
0: you become a wizard of elsewhere and you get to join the Wizards Council.
1: And you know you've always wanted to be a wizard yeah, because yeah. Harry Potter and who doesn't want to be a wizard? Now's your chance. Or,
0: or Lord of the Rings. And yeah. that in that Wizard's Council, you get a say in in some episode stuff. And Casey had, had this wonderful, all-important question that he provided that we're going to use because it was a really good one. Also in that tier... You get early access to episodes, which we just started. So um, we usually finish editing a few days early. So if you want... If you can't wait till Friday, if you lack the patience, the wizard tier might be for you. But anyways, yes. Casey's all-important question. If another realm opened up a doorway to your house, what would they be surprised by? What would they be scared of or fascinated by? They being... So if they came whatever from a different land Creatures or beings. Um, hopefully they are friendly, you know, more E.T. than Demogorgon and... <laughs> <laughs> you don't want either
1: uh, i mean i'm cool with et the, the demogorgon that made me pull the face mm-hmm.
0: we're assuming they're friendly and they just come and they're sort of a fish out of water and uh what in our house would they be surprised by or fascinated by
1: makes me wish we had like a roomba because i feel like that'd be any kind of robot would be pretty good
0: yeah we have no robots we, have no robots. we had a bb-8 but it died so that's about it. Mm. And it wasn't It yeah. wasn't uh, um, autonomous. It was...
1: Yes. You had to control it. Yeah. I think the washing machine would be pretty good. They'd be like, why do you shove all your clothes in this spinny thing that like thrashes your clothes around? That's... Yeah. It looks pretty violent. It's loud too.
0: Especially ours.
1: Yes. <laughs> Maybe they'd just be really weirded out by our children.
0: Yeah, that's true. They're, <laughs> they're next level. I was going to say all the... Lego pieces all over the place.
1: Oh, that'd be a good one.
0: They would be fascinated by that.
1: Yes, they'd be like, do you use these to construct your houses? And we'd say, just miniature ones for play.
0: Yeah, and they'd be like, what?
1: Why? Yeah. What's their purpose?
0: They have no purpose. Most of the things in human homes don't really have a purpose, like practically. So if these beings are super practical, they would be very... uh I was
1: gonna say, I feel like remused. we mostly have practical things. I guess. I mean, I guess you could disclude computers and tvs
0: exactly this microphone that we're recording on
1: i'm thinking you need to do more household chores i'm thinking ovens fridges washers dryers these are all very practical things
0: Uh, yeah but i mean those things i don't think running water because like
1: (laughs) because i'm the one who uses them no (laughs) i
0: I do dishes
1: you do lots of dishes
0: I clean the bathrooms. You
1: clean all the bathrooms. I never clean the bathrooms.
0: Now you're making me look bad.
1: <laughs> I'm just teasing. You're saying that nothing in our house has practical Noth- use. Not
0: nothing. I'm saying mo- a lot of things do not.
1: I you said most.
0: Okay. Still I'm okay most. with Hang- some of all the things on the walls? Why do we have things on the oh, wall? Art.
1: art. You think they'd be yeah. weirded out by art? Yeah. Every culture has some kind of art.
0: Yeah, but this culture doesn't have wall art, and they would be perturbed mm. by just hanging things on walls. They would find it vulgar.
1: Plus, they could be like, what if they were like cave or um, underland dwelling type people? Then they'd be like...
0: Like mole people?
1: <laughs> yes. What are these windows and doors to the outside? Don't you know the outside is dangerous?
0: I do know the outside is dangerous.
1: Because <laughs> you, you
0: don't. You don't. No, you don't ever leave. You stay here and I have to leave into the dark dark and dreary and scary, terrifying world every day out out the gateway that is our uh, door.
1: This is what we've decided: is I'm a recluse and you do no chores. Okay.
0: Although I wish I was a recluse, and you probably I wish more I had adventure. no chores.
1: Yeah. Mm.
0: <laughs> Speaking of doors, today we're talking about magical portals and doors and gateways to other worlds. I'm very excited about this. I'm
1: so excited about this, Casey. There are some real weird ways to get to other worlds.
0: Right? There's like a whole um, subgenre in fantasy that's just portal fantasy. And uh, there's way more than I realized. So mostly, uh, I don't know about what your notes look like. Mine are mostly ones that I at least know about. and But we, again, won't really cover the entire breadth of, of portal fiction, portal fantasy in this episode. But
1: Yeah, I feel like I could come up with a good... Five or six on my own, and then I, you know, was looking ones up, and I'm like, oh yeah, that one, and that one, yeah, and that yeah. one, and you didn't. Re- I didn't realize what a big genre it actually is. And then there's a whole list that of books that I've never read. I put a couple new series on my to-read list that sound pretty good.
0: Nice, that's awesome. The the reason that I find portal fantasy so interesting is because I think it is a metaphor for how we experience. Fiction itself—it's often um, an ordinary character of some kind that goes through some sort of um, bridge between the real world and the fantastic, and then goes on an adventure, and then they often come back to the real world by the end. And it's very much a—it's um, very much analogous to how we read books and watch movies.
1: When we were talking about this episode idea, and you mentioned magical portals, and I was like, "Yeah, that's cool. I love magical portals." And you said something about that magical portals are like meta for fiction itself and I was like whoa I didn't even think about that
0: that's just I always think and I'm like my brain always goes meta because <laughs> I am Abed and that's just where I go but yeah
1: and then when I was doing research for this topic um, I was reading an, an interview with Lev Grossman who is the author of a series of books called The Magicians which sound really good and I've put them on my which list is a now is show now is it yeah Huh. Well, I'll read the books first. <laughs> I, I, what is this show on?
0: Uh, I'm not sure. Okay. I just know it exists.
1: I probably but... don't have access to it anyway, so I better just read the books. It sounds kind of like Chronicles of Narnia, Harry Potter, but like for adult, like more adult mm, audiences. Yeah. Um, so very interested in that. Um, but he has a, in an interview, he's talking about his like top five magical portal m- books that he loves uh, because that's kind of what his story has to deal with or deals with, and he has this quote about, they're talking about Alice in Wonderland, and they're saying that, you know, Lewis Carroll describes like a rabbit hole that you basically just fall down. And Lev Grossman says, and the fact that you fall down it rather than climb down or just blithely step through, it's a sense of total abandon, which becomes a metaphor for reading a book. You have that same sense when you really get wrapped up in a novel. You've fallen into it. While Carol was writing that, he must have been thinking that on some level, how he wanted people to feel when they're reading it. So I like that because I was like, oh, that's like what Casey mentioned, that the idea that we fall into these stories the same way that they're falling into their portals or doors or rabbit holes. And I also think it goes along with our episode on stories, the power of stories, where we talked about how we get... Emotionally invested in stories, and we read them as if we're living them.
0: Yeah, and I think that there's something special about fantasy that takes an ordinary character or a character in the real world and thrusts them into this fantasy world. It's a really good way to have the audience insert themselves into the story versus just a straight, a more straightforward type of fantasy, like don't um, you know, like Lord of the Rings or even like Star Wars, where um, the story just is itself. But these portal. Portal fantasies are almost like bookended by um, an audience insert character uh, set in the real world, which is um, just, it, it makes a different dynamic for how you experience the book itself or the, or the movie. And
1: I like the way that that allows the person reading the book <clears throat> to experience the fish out of water experience with the characters. Like as as they're, like you said, as they're feeling new to it, so are you as a reader. But I like that that relates, especially for for kids and for youth, Uh, To real life, anytime you're in a situation where it feels uncomfortable or new or, um, you know, like there's challenges or things you don't understand and you have to kind of learn uh, in a whole new environment, whether it's, you know, a new school or you've moved to a new place or you've, you know, you can relate to these kids who like Harry Potter, who goes to Hogwarts and it's a completely new environment, you can relate to that in a little bit because you're like, yeah, I'm at a new school and I feel really out of place, too. They might not be using terms like muggles, but they still have their own way of talking or slang or whatever that you don't understand, and so it's nice to be able to connect in that way.
0: Maybe we should start with Harry Potter, then. Did did you want to talk about Harry Potter at mm. some point? Yes, it is, um...
1: at some You mean at all points, but well, I want to talk it's about just, Harry Potter.
0: When, you, when I first think of magical portal, portals, Harry Potter's not the one that comes to my mind, Um, but there are many magical portals and magical gateways. So
1: many magical portals. the
0: story itself is is structured in the same way that other portal fantasy is, in the sense that you have an ordinary boy living in an an ordinary world, doesn't even know that there's a magical world, and then... is sent on this great adventure or well, even before this great adventure he's just experiencing the magical world and he has to pass through various kinds of doors and gateways to get there you know you have um, going from uh, London to the Leaky Cauldron and then into Diagon Alley then you also have right. Platform 9 and 3 quarters where we have to pass through the The magical wall to get to the magical platform.
1: Then, when you get to Hogwarts, you have places like the Room of Requirements and the Vanishing Cabinet. Cabinet.
0: Vanishing Cabinet.
1: Cabinet. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, When you get to the Department of Miss, well, and then like you get to the Ministry, and there's the the visitor entrance through like a telephone booth, and then there's the normal Ministry employee entrance through like the bathrooms, and you like flush yourself in, and then. Inside the Department of Mysteries in the ministry, there's uh, the veil between Mm -hmm, life and death. Yeah. Um, Oh, plus port keys. Port keys are basically like just a magical object that takes you to foreign places. Right. Plus, I love that overall, just the magical world of Harry Potter is in sync with the muggles. Like... Technically, things are happening in both, you know, especially when Voldemort's going to power. You get a little bit of it crossing, of the magical world crossing over into right. the Muggle world. Uh, but they're usually very distinct, even though they take place in the same space. The Muggles usually are completely unaware that they have this whole magical world around them, which I love. Yeah,
0: like there's this parallelism going on versus other stories that we'll bring up, especially if they go to some other like dimension, it messes with time and things aren't happening at, like, like you said, at the same pace. They're not parallel in the same way that Harry Potter is. I also wanted to mention how, um, especially if you look at the first Harry Potter book, uh, he has to return to the real world, right? And, and that first book is structured so much like any of these other stories that we'll talk about. Again, starts out with an ordinary boy. He goes into this adventurous, magical place, and then he has to return to the ordinary world. But often, um, these stories, they go back to the real world, um, excited to go back to the real world, or they're um, they feel like the real world is colored a little bit differently, and they see things a little bit differently, but for Harry, it's very different. it's the magical world becomes his home, and even as the series goes on and on it's those lines are blurred, you know, like like you said they're they're clearly marked between the real world or the muggle world and the magical world. But as the series goes along, um that doesn't really matter as much to Harry because he's becoming more and more of a wizard
1: yeah, I love that I love that he and well, I think in a lot of ways, it becomes very marked to him that the ordinary world is not his home. Like you said, like he, um, it's just a, it's a waiting place. And certain other characters, uh, like Chronicles of Narnia comes to mind. Um, The Pevensey children, like they cannot wait to get back to Narnia. Yeah. And you, but theirs is interesting because you can't get back if you're kind of like looking for it. It kind of has to summon you, which is kind of like Harry waiting Right. These period, you know, the, each summer he's like waiting to get back to Hogwarts. But at least he has a, a set time when he gets to go back until the, his last year, I guess. But
0: well, do we want to jump to Narnia then? Segue in, or you have more to say I about have, Harry Potter?
1: No, but before we get to Narnia, I have one other magical being in London that I think we should talk about: Mary Poppins.
0: What magical portals are in Mary Poppins that you wanted to wanted to discuss?
1: The chalk drawings. Mm. Uh, She, I mean, Bert draws them. They're just normal chalk drawings. But Mary Poppins, it just wrinkles my brain. Like, were the chalk drawings always magical and Bert just drew an image of them? Uh, Or was Mary Poppins the one who imbued them with magic?
0: Whoa, Mary Poppins is a Demogorgon. Because I want (laughs) to talk about Stranger Things in a bit and how the Demogorgons uh, can create... Portals. Um, so, so what other characters can create portals or magical?
1: I mean, wizards in some ways, because they've created like the brick wall into. Okay. And they create. Oh, we didn't mention like a Grimald place. Like anytime there's a, um, anytime there's a protective charm that doesn't allow Muggles or certain people to get into a place. The
0: way is shut.
1: Exactly. So wizards themselves can kind of create portals in that sense. I'm pretty sure Mary Poppins is a witch from Hogwarts anyways, so.
0: Yes, but I also stand by my statement that she is a Demogorgon.
1: Bit of both.
0: Just to upset you.
1: <laughs> I just love Mary Poppins so much. But yeah, so they, they get to go into this chalk drawing magical world, which is fun and an adventure. And I love that in that one, Like in Harry Potter, we mentioned that time is obviously the same in the wizarding and uh, muggle worlds, Mm -hmm. unless you're Hermione with her time turner. Right, right. But that's for a future time traveling episode.
0: Uh, (laughs) I feel anytime you and I talk about the possibility of a time travel episode, I just feel daunted.
1: I think you feel (laughs) immediately negative and you're not normally a negative negative, person. Not negative, just daunted. You don't like time travel things generally.
0: It takes a lot for me to like a time travel story. Yeah, that's true. But there's plenty of stories I do like that happen to be about time travel. So I don't know. Anyways.
1: But yeah, back to Mary Poppins. It's fun that when they're in the chalk drawing, you know that the time is the same between the chalk drawing and the real world because when it starts to rain... In the real world and the chalk drawing gets washed away, the, you know, like the timing is the same. Like it's raining in both places. And I really love that transition back into the real world is that the chalk drawing is is washed away. Also in Mary Poppins Returns, there is uh, the the bathtub, kind of a magical portal. That one's not quite as fun though. I just love the chalk drawings. Mostly because I just really want Mary Poppins outfit in the chalk drawing.
0: It's mm, pretty cool. I'm a fan of Bert's.
1: Yes. Someday we'll cosplay. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> when I learn how to sew in stays for the corset that she wears. Um, but, oh, that's another thing. What about in how many different portal jumps do they also change clothing? I feel like most of the time when they go into a new world, they're stuck in their old clothes, and that's part of what makes them stand out. Right. Makes them more of a fish out but of water. not Mary Poppins. Not Mary Poppins. She's got that real magic.
0: Yeah, from the upside down.
1: <laughs> That's part of her fun is because she is a magical being herself. So it's kind of like she's she's granting access for everybody else to come to her portal, basically. So she but is she the gateway. Is in control. She's the gatekeeper. Yeah, she's awesome. <laughs> she is all of the above. Mary Poppins is one of my favorite characters of all time. So I had to mention her. Now let's go to another group of London children who jump to a magical world. The Pevensey Pevensies. children. But before you get to the Pevensies, do you realize, Casey, that each time... You, have you read all the Narnia books?
0: I have read The Magician's Nephew, Lion, Witch, and Wardrobe, Prince Caspian, and like half of Voyage of the Dawn Treader. So I have not read them all. Um, I
1: think you're only missing the final battle.
0: No, there's and The Silver, silver Chair oh, the and The Horse chair. and His Boy. Yeah, that one. And that one's
1: kind of separate.
0: I feel like they, the series started to get away from itself even at the Voyage of the Dawn Treader I was kind of I don't know I feel like The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe is a perfect book and it stands alone really well so I don't know how I I feel about it. But I really
1: love The Magician's Nephew.
0: I really like Prince Caspian.
1: And I like Prince Caspian. I
0: remember kind of liking The Magician's Nephew I don't remember much about it but um where were you going you asked me if I'd read them all.
1: But just the idea that that they never get back to Narnia the same way. Yes, which is really fun. So there's lots of portals and ways into Narnia. Right. So
0: the magician's nephew, um, there's like an apple and well, then. Well, there's rings. Yes, but that's how he yeah. gets in. Polly and the professor, but he's a child. What's his name? I wrote it down.
1: Uh, it's like a D. A diggory. Diggory. Okay, I was gonna say Diggory, but I was like, no, that's Harry Potter. <laughs>
0: I'm sure it was a reference. Um, yeah, so Diggory and Polly have these magical rings that if they're one of them is touching it and then the other person is touching that person, that's like a conduit, then they can travel to Narnia. Um, and that's the first time chronologically we see it. The Magician's Nephew is written after. after but, um, but then I guess at the end, if I remember right, he has so an apple.
1: I love this. There's... A tree gets planted in Narnia right. by Diggory, uh, you know, Aslan tells him to, and it's called the Tree of Protection, mm-hmm. and it protects Narnia from, uh, you know, Jadis. The, from Jadis, from the White Witch for a long time. Um, but Diggory's mom has been sick for a really long time, um, and she's, you know, kind of a chronically ill thing. She can't, she's not going to get better, and so he, Aslan, sends J, uh, sends. Digory home with a an apple from the tree of protection and he gives it to his mom and his mom eats it and she's healed which is fabulous but then this is the best like sean the,
0: connery from last crusade
1: oh right holy grail the gunshot wound i got, I got what you, I, i'm picking up what you're laying down now it took me a minute <laughs> um but yeah so Diggory takes the apple core and plants it in his backyard and then this tree grows
0: Right, and then Diggory becomes an older man, and the tree's bigger, big by then, but then it gets, gets knocked over by a, a storm, but he doesn't want it to be firewood, so he uses it to build the wardrobe, which I guess he doesn't know is magic, I don't think. I think he just...
1: I think he just didn't want to let it go.
0: Yeah. Um, and then, of course... And then we know what happens with the yeah, So, So they're playing hide-and-seek, and Lucy finds this awesome wardrobe in a back room, and
1: Full of goes old through fur it and coats. she's
0: going toward the back where there's all, these, there's all these fur coats, and then she just keeps going and going until she's in a magical snow-filled world with, um, you know, magical creatures like they- like James McAvoy in Goat Feet. And uh,
1: Mr. Tumnus. I
0: was talking about this with a friend, how she, uh, how actually multiple friends found James McAvoy really attractive as Mr. Tumnus.
1: As Mr. Tumnus.
0: Yeah. What are I your feelings on Mr. Tumnus attractive level
1: compared to James McAvoy on a normal level? Like.
0: Yeah, and compared to bald Professor Xavier James McAvoy.
1: Actually, <laughs> let's just keep it
0: that way. Would you rather, would you rather date Professor X James McAvoy or Tumnus McAvoy?
1: Uh, this is the weirdest question I've ever been asked. It's
0: really important.
1: <laughs> Honestly, I think he's he's more attractive as Mr. Tumnus than, than Professor X.
0: I think that's the right answer yeah. as well. I mean, he's he's topless. He's got a <laughs> s- scarf. Um, the he,
1: scarf is so cute. He he's got play the longer that weird curly flute. hair. The pan he, flute.
0: He's got horns and goat feet. <laughs> and he's got an umbrella. That's nice. Yeah. You know. Professor Xavier, you're just worried he's gonna read your mind all the time. So
1: that really wouldn't be the worst. Yeah. I mean, you could be like, "Hey, don't read my mind," but would you ever really know if he's reading your mind?
0: No, you wouldn't.
1: Plus, if you have the power to mind read, speaking of portals, his is like having his power is like having a portal into everybody's mind. And if you have the power to mind read, how do you not like?
0: That'd be the worst power. Yeah.
1: I, I I'm i such power. a curious person. I'd want to read everybody's mind, but then you'd be judging them on their thoughts. I don't want anyone to judge me on my thoughts. Right. That's not fair. Uh-uh. Because the whole point is you're supposed to be able to think freely and then think it through before right. you say something out loud. Because
0: everyone has crazy thoughts. Mm-hmm. The the trick is whether you voice them or act them on act them on or them. not. And yeah. So, yeah. Anyways, I have derailed us here with <laughs> talk of the hotness level of Mr. Tumness, but... So Lucy, she's transported through the wardrobe to the magical world. And that's the the very first book. And then they, you know, after they help save Narnia, they grow old there, or at least much older and rule Narnia for a long time.
1: Yeah, they're all in like their 20s or late 20s when they end up back at the lamppost and back through the wardrobe.
0: Right, they kind of find it familiar. they've already forgotten the their past like right. the real world.
1: It feels a little familiar to them. They're like, "Oh, the light, you know yeah. this seems familiar, but they don't really know why or when.
0: So then they find their way back through the magical portal, the wardrobe, and then the um and they this come is where the time is weird because they
1: as, like yeah. it's been just minutes or Which, maybe hours, but
0: I feel like they would be really weird children from that point. You know, like they would be old children.
1: Well, I do think that shows up in in Susan's story. Oh, does it? Because it seems like in all the other books, she can't wait to grow up. She wants Mm -hmm. to be mature. And I think it's in part because she has all these memories of being an adult already. Yeah.
0: It's just very interesting to me because in Voyage of the Dawn Treader, Aslan tells Lucy and Edmund that that's their last time in Narnia, that they can't come back because they're going to be too old. But they really are really old already. Because they they grew old the first time, I don't know, it's kind of weird, but I
1: think it's I think it comes to the idea that you when you're older in the real world, it's kind of like any Santa Claus movie where you kind of outgrow believing it.
0: yeah, at some point you stop hearing the bell
1: exactly at some point, Peter and Susan kind of outgrew the idea of Narnia, and they don't really remember it anymore. Um, Lucy and Edmund, they remember longer, but it could also be just because they were younger than Peter and Susan.
0: So I was thinking about... But
1: yeah, when they... But some of the other portals... Sorry, did I I didn't mean to cut n- you off. No,
0: you're fine. I was going the same direction. So, okay. Um, yeah, because then in Prince Caspian, they're just waiting for a train and they're just randomly transported to the well, Narnian seaside.
1: Well, as, as the train is kind of pulling past, they like see flashes of Aslan. Right. Yeah.
0: And then they're transported. And so that one's like a...
1: That one's like being... Forcibly pulled.
0: That's a little more abstract of a doorway. You know, when I think of a magical doorway, a my mind immediately board. goes to wardrobe. Mm-hmm. Um, to the wardrobe, yeah, as a portal or, or gateway to a magical world. Like it's a smaller thing. It's just you're on one side and you're in the real world. You walk through and then you're in the magical world. But all these portals we're talking about don't always follow that um, convention. together. You know? yeah,
1: so many different portals. And then in Voyage of the Dawn Treader... They go through a painting.
0: Right. This is my question. Because that painting is in Eustace's house. Uh-huh. It's not like the wardrobe where it has this history right. of being made from the wood of a Narnian tree. This it's is just why, a painting.
1: That's why I like the magician's nephew and the chronicle and the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe together. Because I feel like they have a history that connects and combines them. The
0: magic them. Seems, feels like it has more rules to it.
1: Yes. Whereas the rest of it just seems like kind of abstract ways to get pulled back to It feels
0: like Narnia has a will and it's like, Mm -hmm. I want you to come back to Narnia. And so it's like the force, you know, and it pulls them back. Um,
1: By any means Almost willy-nilly.
0: Yeah, it's like there's a painting and it kind of looks like a, like Lucy or Edmund say, it looks like a Narnian ship and then it starts moving and then all of a sudden they're in the water, which is actually really cool. I like... I like that. Right. It's just I want to know I want to know the mechanics of it. And, what are the rules? And maybe that's there the thing. Are no rules. I'm too old for Narnia maybe. Mm. I don't.
1: You need too many rules I'm not like allowed you're to too go old there. for Narnia. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Which is weird because I'm not usually this a stickler for like logic and rules when it comes to magic. I usually don't care, but it's not that I dislike this. I just I'm curious, I guess.
1: I like the idea that to escape to Narnia is just like escaping into any good fiction and it never happens the same way twice like oh I like that sometimes you're drawn into a book or a movie or or sometimes you read it all at once or sometimes you read it piece by piece or Mm -hmm. just the way we experience things is never the same way twice too like
0: yeah if you revisit something you Mm -hmm. loved as a child you're like I did not remember that or I remember that very differently exactly I love that idea I like that Um, I was also that back to the you can't go back if you're too old um It makes me think of Peter Pan. And can we jump to Peter Pan?
1: Absolutely. We've got a lot of British, the British, like their portals.
0: Especially these older ones. I feel like they were very popular around that time. Um, But Peter Pan's older than Narnia.
1: Right. Victorian era. Um,
0: But anyways, so Peter Pan's another one where the portal itself or the gateway is kind of a little more abstract. It's mm-hmm. not a, like a wardrobe. It's you just got to fly up in the sky and go to the second star on the right, and then you'll be in Neverland.
1: So anybody um, can do it, really. I mean, if you have a fairy and yeah, you got a fairy dust,
0: thoughts. happy thoughts, and fly to the right star. Yes. Are there other stars that take you to other lands? I should hope so. Like Narnia, or
1: <laughs> that's the, the other up, way the Narnia pulls the you. The upside in.
0: down. <laughs> um,
1: second star to the right and straight on till morning, Casey. The
0: first star to the right is the upside down. So you got to be uh, really careful. Real careful. Yeah.
1: And don't go to the wrong side of the Big Ben. You'll end up in Narnia. Will you? Yeah. Mm. It's a proven fact.
0: So the connection I saw between Narnia and Peter Pan about growing up, um, that growing up idea is even more um, front and center in Peter Pan. It's, you know, the story starts off with Mr. Darling telling Wendy, you know, she has to grow up. She, she has can't to
1: leave the nursery. She's moving out.
0: She can't, you know, experience these stories anymore. She's being childish, you know, because for some reason... Loving stories is seen as childish, and it it gets back to what we talked about in our last episode about how stories are often seen as just escapist, and that that's a bad thing. And it's the same kind of idea that it's seen as childish, and that's how Mr. Darling is...
1: He uh, sees Wendy as filling the son's heads with nonsense and stories that won't... They don't have any value in the real world. How are they going to help her become a future wife and mother? Because that's her only options at that time.
0: Right. And then I like that she ends up going to to Neverland, and it's almost like, maybe not consciously, but it's almost like an act of rebellion of Mm. my dad saying I can't experience imagination, but I'm going to go do the ultimate imagination and actually travel to another world, and I'm just thinking about...
1: And yet she still plays the mother role there.
0: Right. It's not fair. (laughs) Peter Pan has some problematic aspects (laughs) for sure with that and then the Native American stuff, and yeah. But I think it's important to bring up despite those. Um, yeah, I was just thinking about people whose parents tell them these same kind of things, you know, to don't don't, don't waste your time with imagination. There are more important or practical things you should be doing and um, huh. power to you if you can find a way to rebel and, and experience those imaginative worlds anyways.
1: It just makes me think of Lorelai Gilmore, and she sits there eating all the Pop-Tarts because she's now questioning, do I like Pop-Tarts or do I like Pop-Tarts because my mother told me I shouldn't eat pop tart?" And she says that she first time she went to a friend's house and they offered her a Pop-Tart, and she says she could just picture her mother being shocked, you know, a (laughs) Pop-Tart, and that she shouldn't eat it. And then so when she eats it out of rebellion and she tasted freedom, she says that Pop-Tart tasted like freedom.
0: So Neverland is a Pop-Tart. Yes. I love it. <laughs> um, I, I like that because with the Narnia stuff, if I remember right, none of, the, not much of the Narnia stuff comes back to the real world. It's usually just the other way around, other than like the tree.
1: Oh, true. Right? Yeah. And I mean, because you could only imagine what the White <clears throat> Witch would do in London.
0: Right. But I, I find it really interesting when... Um, that gateway seems to be double-sided. Um, like Peter Pan, it is because Peter's coming to London. And to him, he's the so-called, you know, he's he's a protagonist of his story and he's traveling through a magical gateway. that takes him to this magical world of London. You know, the world that we think is ordinary to him is the fantastical world because he's coming and listening to Mary, Mrs. Darling. Is that her name, Mary? Um,
1: well, Wendy's the one telling the stories.
0: At the house, uh-huh. but but Mrs. Darling's reading them books. She does, isn't she?
1: Too, but I'm he, pretty sure he comes why. to listen to the stories. I thought they were Wendy's stories. Oh uh,
0: well, either way, he's coming to listen to to these stories, stories. Mm-hmm. and I love that that idea that to him, um, London and the people of London and the stories that they're telling—that's the magical place. And I think that's cool that the the gateway works in two ways in in Peter Pan. You know,
1: I like that Tinkerbell is kind of the gatekeeper because you have to have her fairy dust to mm. get. To Neverland?
0: She's like Mary Poppins in the chalk drawings.
1: Yes. So basically, basically we just need to talk about uh, powerful women who control portals.
0: Well, and, and real quick, and we can move on from Peter Pan, but Peter also loves the, the magic of, of London, specifically in the stories that Wendy's telling. Like you said, she goes to Neverland to be the so-called mother. But Peter, that's why Peter is bringing her to Neverland is because he's trying to take some of that you All know, magic, magic, magic in those quotes from the real world to his fantasy world from oh, like from what idea. he perceives as a fantasy world to his real world. So I just love that that it's it's much more fluid in Peter Pan. The 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 lines again aren't clearly drawn between what's real and what's fantastic because it's all about perspective.
1: Yeah, I really love that. Speaking of Gatekeepers, or maybe not Gatekeepers, maybe that's not the right word, but Milo in The Phantom Tollbooth, one of our favorite I guess you'd call it juvenile fiction. He, Milo, just is this obnoxious boy who is never impressed with anything. And he comes home to this, like, crate just sitting in his room. And so he has to, so Milo builds his own portal, which is fun. It's a twist. That's true. So he builds, the crate is, Someone like, the instructions. The tools, but, yeah. Yeah. The instructions to build this little toll booth but he builds his own portal he builds this toll booth but the toll booth comes with uh coins like magic gold coins and a map and a map mm-hmm. um but he uses his own toy car to get through true so it's a little bit of both like part of his ingenuity to build it and to use his car and then he has to take the map and the coins and and drive through the toll booth
0: which is purple
1: It's purple <laughs> i'd forgotten it's purple
0: i just love i just love the Phantom toll booth it's probably my favorite book, or at least the book that shaped me the most as a child. Um, I think I've told this story before, but I remember being very young and maybe being able to read like picture books, but nothing more than that. And seeing my older brother, Ryan, hi Ryan, uh, reading The Phantom Tollbooth. And I didn't know what it was. What was this weird book with the kid and a big giant dog with a clock on the side of his body? Yes. It was just really <laughs> intriguing. I was like, when I can read bigger kid books, I'm going to read that book. And I did, and I fell in love with it. And um, I don't know, I think that's where this main theme of this whole episode for me centers around is how, you know, reading or watching a movie transports you to a magical world because the Phantom Dolbooth does follow that very traditional structure of of what we've been talking about. Um, Like you said, he's a bored boy in the ordinary world. He travels to this magical land, and he has an adventure, and then he comes back, and he's a changed person. But the, the simplicity of the structure doesn't take away from how magical of a story it is and how, um, I don't know, how important it is to me as a story.
1: Absolutely. And I like the idea that the his portal, his toll booth, is very similar to a, like a border crossing from one country to another. Like the idea that it's a very human adventure to go on when you cross a border into another country. Have you ever crossed a border, Casey? You haven't, have you?
0: Um, a, a country border? Yeah. No, I have not.
1: Never sat and wait for the security to wave you through. (laughs) It's real exciting.
0: No. (laughs) This sounds like a magical portal. It
1: probably... Take me to
0: this magical portal.
1: It's probably more strict now than the last time I went across a border... Um, But yeah, I mean, into Mexico was pretty strict. And then in Europe, going from like France to Italy, that one wasn't very strict at all. I don't even know if there was a toll booth. I think there was like a sign. No, I think Mm -hmm. there was some kind of a, a place you had to cross through, but I don't remember it very well. But yeah, this idea that going into a new country is an exciting adventure as a you know, in, in our real world, and he gets to do the same. He gets to uh, go into a very magical adventure through his border crossing.
0: That's true. And just to back up slightly, too, with Milo, he, he's very boring and finds nothing exciting, particularly, like, books and learning, and uh, I expect, like, adventure books, and he just doesn't see the point and doesn't see any adventure in real life. And so I love that the the theme of that story in particular is that there's adventure all around us because that's what he learns is, you know, he goes into this magical world, but there are a lot of, it's just a magical representation of the real world. Like you said, like the border crossings and he's learning about like color and sound and, and
1: numbers and letters. Yeah.
0: It's all real world stuff just given a magical twist. And so that when he comes back. It's, he's like, oh, this real world is what's magic. And I love that.
1: Mm-hmm. Like one of my favorite moments is when he, and, and they use a ton of, oh, what are they called? Like, uh.
0: There's a lot of puns and plays on words. Uh, and,
1: when you have like a specific line that means something that's not very descriptive. Mm, like, no. um, <laughs> like when you're, when you learn a foreign language and there's always.
0: Oh, like an idiom. An
1: idiom. That's mm-hmm. the word. Uh, so there's like these idioms that they take literally yeah, that I yeah. love. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one of my favorite moments is when he jumps to a conclusion and all of a sudden he like finds himself on this island that he's like, how did I get here? And they're like, well, this is conclusion.
0: The island of conclusion. Yeah, this is the yeah.
1: island of conclusion or something like that. Yeah. And then he, to get back, he has to like swim through the sea of, is it a sea of knowledge or?
0: Or confusion or? or uh... I think
1: it's Knowledge. Anyways, there's lots of wonderful things like that. Just um, yeah, that are representations of our our of our real world in a fantastical way.
0: Can we talk about Wizard of Oz for a moment?
1: Yes, that one didn't even make my list, but it absolutely
0: I is. I love the Wizard of Oz. It's one of those stories I forget how much I. I haven't I haven't read the book. I'm solely talking about. How do you the movie. say his last
1: name? Frank. I assume it's Boom? Bomb. Bomb.
0: L. Frank bomb. I assume. I have L. not. Frank. I, I have not album. read the story, the the book, but I love the movie. I think it's a classic <laughs> and a masterpiece. <laughs> and you're scaring me. <laughs> Hello, my pretty. Um just
1: setting the mood.
0: It's just so good. And so this one's another one where the portal we don't we don't really see it. It's um, Is it a
1: portal? Doesn't she dream the whole thing?
0: Okay. So the dream thing. The studio thought that audiences in 1939 wouldn't find it realistic enough if it was all like true you know like uh, true fantasy and so they thought audiences would buy it more if it's oh it's just a dream
1: interesting. but of course to,
0: to us now in 2020 that's just very cliche that it was just a dream so so that was just a movie thing probably a fairly late addition to the script um
1: right because it really doesn't come into play until the very yeah. end but when they do she leave it up.
0: they do leave it open enough that i think you can believe that it actually happened right. I'm I'm a believer it, it's like inception you know <laughs> was it a dream or not a dream um I don't
1: know. but to be swept away in a tornado that's a yeah. pretty dramatic that's uh, a bit different
0: than a wardrobe just yeah. walking through a wardrobe exactly. but I wanted to talk about the thing I love the most about the movie is that the movie starts in black and white well they they filmed it in black and white and then they colored it sepia um sepia toned and then there's the moment when the house lands and she opens the door and she walks into this world of color which is just such an amazing way to you know that that itself is the the portal the gateway to the magical world it's yes. just her doorway and walking through the door into the, this world of color they, they filmed that part in reshoots i guess um they painted the interior of the house sepia toned so it was actually being oh. filmed in color at that point um that there's there's a transition where you see dorothy and she's sepia toned and then she like goes out of frame and then she comes into frame um and the, it's from behind. They used uh, her stand in actress. Uh-huh. Um, and she's all in sepia tone dress and whatnot. And then she goes out of frame. And then either another stand in, or it might have been um, Judy Garland at that point, comes in in the normal blue colored dress, right? When you have to go watch it because uh, it's not easy to explain. But they just use some old school camera body double trickery of she her going love. out of frame just briefly as she opens the door. Like she opens the door and she goes out of frame. And then she comes into frame in the blue dress. But it's another. It's another actress, which is just awesome. Um, yeah, I love the simple trickery like that of old school
1: oh, it's movie so cool. film
0: of uh, old school filmmaking, and yeah, that's all I really had to say about Wizard of Oz. Other than it's been a really long time since I've seen that movie, so we should we should watch it. I'm down. All right, what other what other uh, magical portals and gateways did you want to mention?
1: Uh, speaking of big. Uh, natural events that create a gateway like Dorothy swept up in a tornado in Teen Beach movie they're swept away in a wave and washed up on the shore of a of a movie
0: I'm waiting for you to also call this a classic masterpiece in the vein in the vein of Wizard of Oz because I know you no. want to say that okay
1: I wouldn't put it quite on that level, but it is a fun movie, and I we will talk about it more when we, at some point, I'm going to make Casey do a, a Beach Movies episode with me. All the Beach Movies.
0: As long as we can do, uh, what's it called?
1: The Beach Party.
0: Beach Party. Yeah. Beach Party. With the professor. Um, the
1: po- professor oh, what's his the, name? I can't
0: remember. Of the great
1: but, mustaches.
0: He has a lot of good names for facial hair, and yes. it's a great movie.
1: <laughs> We're going to have to find it and rewatch it, though.
0: Oh, we'll find it. <laughs> it's out there.
1: Yeah. Anyways, um just that in brief, you know, that is a magical portal and so i i think that's fun. Uh, way into a new new world, a musical world. Which, Wizard of Oz is pretty musical, so that's fun. Another correlation there.
0: True, but she does sing to herself somewhere over the rainbow before she goes to the magical mm. world. So, but she could just be singing to herself. I don't know. Could people be. do that. People, no, people no judgment. Sing. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I do it all the time. <laughs>
0: You just look wistfully into the sepia-toned clouds and sing about rainbows?
1: No, but I do like to sing. And then, Casey, you want to hear what my favorite portal of all time is?
0: You have a favorite portal? Yeah. I don't know what my favorite portal... Uh, no, that's not true. The purple toll is easily my favorite mm. portal. What is your favorite portal?
1: I don't know if it's my favorite favorite but my I'm already backpedalling here I think one of the most unique portals uh, so Brandon mole has a couple of series that are set in other worlds and so there's always a, a portal to get to them if you haven't read any Brandon mole I love them all you should read them uh, but his series the Beyonders is really good and it starts out with this boy Jason who's just a normal day at the zoo and he hears strange music coming from a hippo's mouth. And so he like leans. Don't do it. He like leans do it, over the, He leans over the railing to kind of get a closer look and figure out where this music's coming through from. And he falls into the hippo's mouth and gets swallowed, and, and then ends up in the new world.
0: So the whole in story in the world takes of Lyrian. Place in a hippo's gastrointestinal system.
1: No, it takes place in the kingdom of Lyrian.
0: Lyrian? Did you know Lyrian is actually another word for um, a hippo's gastrointestinal system?
1: False. <laughs> So that one's pretty good. And then in Five Kingdoms, which is another Brandon Mole series, there's this boy named Cole, and his he's like a middle school, and he and his friends are uh, just going to a haunted house on Halloween. Always a bad idea. But this is like my worst nightmare of portals. First of all, I don't go to haunted houses. Second of all, you go to a haunted house. And you get basically kidnapped by people from another world and taken back to their world. Were they carrying balloons? They were not carrying balloons. They were carrying away children as slaves. So there's that.
0: I'll take the hippo.
1: (laughs) I know, right? I don't want a haunted house portal. I would rather take the hippo.
0: (laughs) Speaking of creepy portals, I promised... Some Stranger Things talk. I don't know that I have much that much to say about it, but it's another one where there's lots of portals. At the very beginning, we get indications of the the main portal that they call the gate that 11 base later closes in season two, right? But even throughout season one, we have the Demogorgon creating portals to come through and eat deer and stuff um, and to steal children.
1: We have people getting stuck in the Upside Down. Barb. Yeah. Poor, Poor Barb. Barb.
0: Justice for Barb. Hashtag justice for Barb. And then, um, like, Nancy goes through the tree one that the Demogorgon created. yeah. That's when she sees the deer being devoured. Um, The deer being devoured by a Demogorgon.
1: (laughs) Is that Um, your new favorite tongue twister?
0: (laughs) Yep. yep. I feel like there's a subset of fantasy, of portal fantasies where, and it's often true, where the the characters learn that the real world isn't so bad and the, the magical world is the not great place. Or even... Like, I mean, we have the fandom toll booth where he goes there, and it, it's not super great place, but it has some awesome things about it. But that one's really all about how, yes, the real world's the magical place. But then you have these other ones where uh, often in, like, these darker stories where yeah, they're things learning go dark. that the magical place is... And obviously, they're all going to have some drama to them, but there's others that are, like, really dark places. Like, I'm thinking Coraline. Don't
1: watch Coraline. No, I won't. Don't, but don't I am aware Cor- of it.
0: I, I hate to say that because I love... Leica Studios and everything they do, but I watched Coraline just this past year, and I was scarred. (laughs) I don't even know if I can explain the portals and how it all works. It is a bit upside down-like, in a way. Um, She finds a, a little doorway in their new house, and she crawls through this tunnel, and that's sort of the gateway to the magical place, but it's on the other side. She finds her other mother and other father, and they seem really nice and happy, but it's actually, you know, the you learn that, no, that's the bad place and the real world is not so bad compared to the gross yucky place but Coraline Coraline freaked me out if you love it uh keep on loving it but it scared me
1: yeah I'm pretty sure it would terrify our
0: our listener and friend Krista she said it was scarred her as a child and for some reason I decided to take that as like a challenge (laughs) um I don't know why because I don't really like scary things but I just thought, uh-huh. oh, it can't be that scary, it's maybe.
1: A, yeah, it's like animation. Yeah,
0: yeah, and I love stop motion, and I thought it's aimed uh-huh. for a younger audience, but it, it's scary, like legitimately scary. And um, I'm still tempted to read the book, but maybe not. Because that's
1: know. Neil Gaiman, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do love Neil Gaiman. Yeah.
0: But um, Stranger Things has the same kind of thing, where the other world, the more fantastic world, is not a good place. and. Um, The whole series is them trying to close the portals in some way or another.
1: Yeah, that's an interesting one because I don't feel like normally with the portals, nobody tries to close them. There's either just no way to get back or... Mm
0: -hmm. Or they don't even think about it. Or they don't think about it. They have zero desire to try
1: again. Uh, But yeah, as far as actually actively destroying a portal or trying Mm. to close it, it's different.
0: Yeah, because in Stranger Things, that's a major... Because you don't want
1: them to cross over into your world. Yeah,
0: that that's one of those stories where you get the back and forth, like Peter Pan, but much darker. Um, yeah. Of, of, yeah, the creatures coming into the real world and the real characters, not the real characters, but the R-Dimension Earth characters getting into the upside down. And so there's a lot of back and forth and the whole, a lot of the plot is revolved around, can they close these doors? How do they close these doors and gates and that kind of thing.
1: Can we talk about the new trailer for Stranger Things?
0: I haven't watched it, actually.
1: Oh, so you don't know what all the ruckus is about?
0: I know that they revealed a certain character that I'm kind of.
1: Because then I was just saying, you know, portals. Somehow he got there.
0: I just wish that I like when characters die. That's all I'm gonna say.
1: <laughs> um,
0: as long as it's like a me, like uh, a meaningful let me, day. let me, yeah, let me, let me add the caveat. Casey
1: wants to kill everybody. No, off. I
0: don't like when like female characters are fridged. Have, have you heard that term? Yes. Um.
1: Why is it called Fridged, though? Like, I know what it means, but I don't know the... Uh,
0: y- you don't want to know, actually. Okay. I'm guessing <laughs> uh, it's
1: a horror film thing?
0: No, it's actually a comic oh. book thing, but it's still gross. And uh, um, fridging meaning that if a female character has died just to serve the man's plot, the right. to serve the man pain. Um, I don't like that, but I like when characters have meaningful deaths that have resonance and power to the story and... Would, Especially you that, the, would
1: you say that Harry Potter's mom was fridged?
0: Who? I'm not an expert on what characters are fridged and are not fridged. <laughs> so I don't know.
1: That's about it, a good question. I don't know that much about it because, I mean, the death of his parents, but his mother in particular is what drives him.
0: I mean, in so a way, and it's it's also a, like serving Snape's character far more than her mm, own. Yeah. Um, but
1: Well, I don't think ooh. dying ever serves your own character.
0: <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's deep, Val. That's real deep. At the same time, they give her, that death a lot of meaning and power with the whole like it's they do. love and and, and Harry's power, Harry. but it kind of is fridging in a way. I don't, I don't know. Let listeners, you tell us what you think. But that's a really good question.
1: Anyways, that was really off topic. But. Um,
0: what was I? Oh, because you're talking about a certain character in Stranger Things. Oh yeah. And I was just saying that I like meaningful death, and I felt like that character's death was meaningful and powerful, and
1: yeah, could have been left I, there.
0: I'm, yeah.
1: But also, I really like him.
0: It's true. So
1: it's nice to have him back.
0: Yeah, I guess. (laughs) Well, like, you can't even let it breathe. Like, even if you're going to resurrect characters, let it breathe a little bit.
1: They did. It's not coming out for a few more months still. I know.
0: But if you're binging, there's no breath.
1: This is true. I guess
0: we don't know the layout of the next season. but
1: I do wish they would have just left it for in the series surprise, not in the trailer. Yeah. Trailers are such Yeah, although spoilers.
0: Ethan Edgehill, who also, like me, hates trailers, actually liked this one. So mm. since we're of similar mind there, maybe I just need to watch it.
1: I don't you know. already know the spoiler. Why That's not? That's true. There's no point <laughs> in not watching it. Yeah. Yeah. Casey, okay, so you have any other honorable mention portals? Mm.
0: Are there portals in Inkheart?
1: Yes. They go in through the book pages. How did I forget How that? How did
0: you? I don't know.
1: I loved Inkheart. I haven't read it in a long time, but it was one of the first books that I read in... Oh, when did it come out? I read it when it came out. So whatever that was. High school, early high school, late middle school. And uh, I just remember thinking it was really well written in my young mind. Like, this is pretty. Like, you know, <laughs> one of those. And I remember I just devoured the series and I never watched the movie because it looked terrible. Um, sorry. What's his name? Brandon Frasian? Brendan Fraser. Brendan Fraser.
0: Brandon Frasian <laughs> is the upside down version of Brendan <laughs> Fraser.
1: <laughs> Um uh, yeah. But yeah, they go in they go into the books. And anything where you go in through a book. So good. I should reread those. It's been so long. It's been like 15 years. <laughs> That's how old That's a long I am. Time.
0: I love I love stories about yeah, that the the portal that they're using is um the medium you're also experiencing at the Ooh. same time. Uh, so, like in carton books, but I also love movies well, where so they go like into movies. Like every
1: horror film where they, there's like something that comes out of the TV screen.
0: I wasn't thinking about that. I was thinking of Buster Keaton, Sherlock Jr. Uh, he yeah. falls asleep at, as a movie projectionist and then he dreams about going into the movie. And it's, I love that movie. Sherlock Jr., probably my favorite uh, Buster Keaton. Um, and there's other, there have been other movies with similar. Um, mechanics like the purple rose of Cairo and I loved the last action hero as a kid but apparently it's a terrible movie I don't really remember that's Arnold Schwarzenegger and he's like an action hero in the movie but then the kid gets transported into the movie anyways I think I just loved it as a kid because I loved the idea of it but ready to close this thing wrap it up
1: let's wrap it up you know a phrase I used with the kids the other day was hit the road and they were I was like let's hit the road and they were so confused by it and I was like, oh, it just means to get going. <laughs> Doesn't
0: Amelia Bedelia take that literally at one point? like Probably. The road she, and she takes like everything literally. I think she like puts a fork in the road or something. <laughs> something about a fork in the road. Um, all right, let's wrap it up. Thank you for listening to this episode about magical portals. We hope you enjoyed it. If we had a if you have a magical portal that we didn't mention, because there are many, many.
1: We have many. realized that there are a lot. A
0: lot. I mean, we thought of some just through talking in this episode. Like, oh, yeah. So let us know. Use the hashtag hello from elsewhere. Uh, find us on Instagram and Twitter at elsewhere underscore pod.
1: We want to say thanks to our new patron, Taylor.
0: Thanks, Taylor. Thank hello. you. Hello, you're awesome. Thanks we love for our listening patrons, and like-
1: following and
0: Thank you to all of our... Being a patron. Patrons. That's so nice. People are so nice to support us and help us continue this podcast.
1: It's true. And I've decided that I love the word patron because it makes me think of patrons of the arts.
0: No, patrons of the arts. Yes,
1: it sounds very fancy for our broadcast here. Yeah, you too can become one of our patrons.
0: All right, buff Otis.
1: (laughs) You have shocked me. Your enthusiasm
0: shocks me. Uh,
1: <laughs> but yes, thank you, you can become one of our patrons if you go to patreon.com slash hello from elsewhere. We have all kinds of tiers. $3 a month gets you into Discord and you can join us for all kinds of fun discussions.
0: Yeah, we have amazing discussions in there. It's awesome.
1: $5 a month. You can become one of our... You can be, you're can a wizard, Harry.
0: You're a wizard.
1: And you can help decide some of the things we talk about on the podcast and you get early release episodes.
0: Becoming a patron really helps us to keep making this podcast. We couldn't do it without you, and, but also we know that that's not always possible. And so if all you can do is listen, that's really enough for us. And we're so happy that you're listening right now. And uh, tell your friends, go leave a review so on iTunes. So it's enough that you
1: listen and that you share a link with somebody else.
0: Yes, Hello from elsewhere is a proud member of WBNE. Visit WBNE.org for more awesome podcasts, like everyone's favorite relationship podcast, Bagels. Bagels. Hello, I'm Tyler Carlin, and I love you. And I'm Emily Carlin, and I love you too. And if you love someone or you love love, you should listen to our new podcast, Bagels.
1: We're not experts, but we sure would like to be.
0: And we believe the best way to get better at something is to practice
1: So listen to our story as it unfolds as young parents,
0: as best friends,
1: as husband and wife,
0: as we explore what relationships mean to us and to
1: those around us. Bagels, available now at wbne.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, Casey, it's time to climb back through all the fur coats. Because now we're old people. Except we've become young again.
0: Because we've just climbed through. Yes. But we brought the microphone and equipment with us as we were traveling? Or did we leave it in Narnia?
1: We were in the wardrobe the whole time. We never actually made it to Narnia. And these fur coats are getting real hot. And they smell like mothballs.
0: <laughs> Mothy beeps.
1: <laughs> Happy beeps.